Alright, so we are freshly back in from the Cloudcom Summit US. And of course, to celebrate all of that, we have brought Matt Townend, our director, on, who is here to share his enthusiasm and excitement from our recent event. You can see he's very excited. How are you doing today, Matt? I am very excited. I'm feeling awesome because I'm just back from the US um, and now had 12 hours sleep, so I'm in good shape. I was going to say, I bet naps were definitely in order yesterday. When we could, you got in first thing yesterday morning, didn't you? Yes, a couple of hours. Uh, an old pro, there's a couple of hours midday and then sleep the night and you're all good the next day. Wow, that's intense. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I landed at 7am, but I slept the entire time on the plane, which made it much nicer. Yeah. All right, Patrick, good. you were at the event as well. What's uh, first on our agenda to talk about to bring people up to speed who couldn't make it? Well, I thought, first of all, it was probably useful just to give an overview of what the what the event is. And it, as usual, I'll outsource all the sort of hard work to someone else. So, <laughs> Matt, the, the Cloudcom Summit from a Cavell perspective has, has evolved over a, a number of years. And this was the, the, the US-based leg of the event. Yeah, so the Cloudcom Summit came about really as a place for the industry to meet and, and discuss the key issues. So really, it's a service provider... MSP and vendor and investor focused event and it came about years ago because there was lots of events for enterprises and channels but nothing at all for the industry so it's grown over the years we've this was our third physical version in the US and we've done it like seven or eight times now in Europe so um, yeah so that was the purpose and really this time it was pretty interesting time for the industry because there's lots going on so we kind of build it as kind of the, the strategy reset edition, where we were really talking about some of the, the key issues that service providers are having to think about. And a lot of them um, we're seeing through both this event and the work we do are really having to kind of think about their strategy and almost, as I say, not just kind of evolve and adapt what they've been doing, but kind of rethink quite a bit. So yeah, so from that regard, a pretty interesting time. And that's really the purpose of the event. And, you know, uh, it was, you know, well received again, I'm pleased to say. So, uh, yeah, really, really good event. Yeah, it might be a good idea to give people um, an idea of sort of the sort of attendees we have, how many we have, what sort of companies show up. Yeah, so uh, we had just under 250 um, uh, attendees. We tend to get in Europe a bit more than that, sort of 300 plus. And it's normally service providers, um, vendors and investors generally. So it's a place really for the industry. So, and normally on the service provider, it's sort of C CEO, CPO sort of types. So types are interested in strategy um, and sort of the, the product side of the house more. Um, and, you know, uh, people say that a lot of deals have been done there over the years in terms of buying and selling businesses as well. So, yeah, it tends to be kind of senior level commercial product type um, attendees. And, um, yeah, from, from U.S. service providers um, uh, and, and some for international guys as well. So we had some people, you know, from Europe and Canada and, uh, you know, various places. And. And, and similarly, it'll be the same on March the 8th, I'm proud to announce, will be our Cloudcom Summit Europe. And normally we have around 100 different service providers at, at, that, at that event. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of who, who comes along. Yeah, great. 
Um, so then, in terms of, I guess, the agenda, I mean, what were the main sort of highlights for you? I mean, you gave a big keynote speech, you opened up the event. What was your main talking point? Yeah, well, there's, there was two... We kind of had two halves to the event, really, I think. We had a first half, which was quite focused this year on some of the pressures, some of the external pressures we're seeing in the market. So we had a great um, keynote um, uh, from a guy called Bill Griffith, who um, a number of people will know was a CNBC anchor for many years, who talked around the economy and what the pressures from inflation, some of the things that were happening there. We had some really good um, session from Jordan, from Q Advisors on the kind of M&A um, marketplace um, and what's been um, going on there. I was really pleased to present with Clark Peterson, president of the CCA, the um, our CCA research recent that we've brought out, which was really quite interesting, which is a survey of the members. And I guess the kind of headline, I well, there was a number of headlines, but one of the headlines from that was, you know, who the industry saw as competition in the future. So, you know, in five years' time, the industry is saying the competition really comes from the CPAS and CCAS guys um, rather than the traditional current UCAS players. So it kind of shows that trend, I think, which is um, which was uh, really interesting. So first day, kind of more strategic financial key issues that are going on. And second day, which you guys were heavily involved in, was picking off a number of the key kind of more product um, trends. And so we had loads of really interesting discussions around um, the different product areas, which I'm sure you can your comment on in terms of, you know, Microsoft, the security side, um, mobile, a number of uh, set. We had a really interesting session around the channel, which which you guys um, were involved in. And I on day one, I had a really interesting session with three CEOs of key um, key uh, US providers in in uh, Momentum, uh, Call Tower and Nuso, who kind of shared what they were seeing um, in the market and how they were reacting to some of the pressures. So yeah, I think that's kind of what we what the um, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more on, on this podcast about some of the the things we learned. But yeah, that's kind of how it was kind of laid out from an agenda point of view and a lot of focus on kind of what next you know future um and uh, as i say the great strategy reset um as uh, we were we were we were calling it yeah and i had a whole talk on security and why that's a really good idea for people to be getting involved in uh patrick you did a whole not just one session but a whole a series of sessions on microsoft why don't you tell us a bit about that yeah, I was. I got a whole afternoon, effectively, dedicated to the Microsoft world, which obviously has become, over the past couple of years, increasingly relevant uh, to communications industry stakeholders because of the telephony enablement in Teams. Uh, so w one of the my particular highlights of the event, I don't know whether we've got onto that yet, was we managed to get all the uh, Microsoft Accelerator partners, pretty much uh, missing one. So effectively, they're going to help operators onboard onto a program called Operator Connect, which enables telephony within Teams. And to get five out of the six in one place on one panel, uh, I thought was really good. And that, that provide, they provided some really great insight into for service providers and telcos and, and vendors ultimately who are looking for their 
sort of teams telephony enablement strategy and whether operator connects a good idea they came up with lots of angles that i personally hadn't thought on lots of considerations both from a sort of technical but also probably more from as matt was saying a sort of strategic commercial perspective as well some of those key considerations that you're thinking about if you're if you're wanting to get involved in in microsoft teams telephony so that was a a, a particular highlight but yeah i got a whole whole afternoon uh, to talk about microsoft also um we also did a panel looking at uh, the world of customer experience uh, and contact center and we've got our enterprise insight reports coming out one of which is is dedicated uh, to the contact center world so we had a really interesting discussion about uh, the requirement for sort of an omni-channel contact center solution in the in the modern age which which i thought the the guys provided a lot of insight on and i think a lot it's it's really echoed as i've been looking at the data from our from our research and and writing up that report of uh, of how how relevant that's going to be for for service providers and telcos not just in the us but but globally so yeah a couple of key topics there cx and and microsoft taking up the majority of my time i i, I was going to say the other thing I, I forgot to mention is the panel we had where, where one of the panels i did where i had um, Ring Central, Microsoft, Cisco, um, 26, um, 100 Hertz and 8 by 8 all on the same panel talking about how they all are helping service providers. So that was quite neat to get all those guys on the same panel talking about, you know, what service providers need to do differently and how and, you know, and how they gonna they can help them. So, um, you know that was interesting and actually there was quite an echo of the importance of customer service in the office from service providers there as well so that was interesting and also a kind of discussion that you know people have focused on product margin from selling software traditionally from those guys and that world has changed and now that service providers really need to look at the broader picture of where they're going to drive margins and they may not drive the same margin percentage from selling a you know a, a service where they're providing all the software etc but the actual nut margin dollars that's available from selling things like as you said finbar security or uh, selling stuff uh, services around the cloud comms offer whether it's ccas cpas all this is probably a bigger opportunity but the actual kind of product revenue that they margin they made traditionally and i think that's the big discussion which, which was around the whole event was you know kind of we've traditionally made money uh, quite a lot of money from single product margin and now you're going to have to look at a broader portfolio and uh, the other big discussion which is quite pertinent in the us was the roller channel so i think um we we had a really good panel on that but also it came up a few times that you know we a big agency channel in the us and some of those agents getting upwards of 27 points of residual margin on ongoing products and being paid like eight to ten times spiff up front and if those who don't know the lovely word spiff um it's basically an incentive paid up front when you sign a contract so people getting between eight and ten months of revenue up front plus an ongoing 27 and people really questioning kind of as you move away from these high margin single product offers you know, how is that channel going to change? I think is was kind of the other big, one of the other big strategic discussions that is kind of live in the industry at the moment. Yeah, I mean, master agents and things like that d differentiate themselves by being experts in the technology they're selling. But for one person to sell and be an expert in a whole full stack portfolio is 
well, it's a struggle. I think it's definitely a challenge. Whereas, you know, service providers with multiple experts on their team can actually process what customer needs are across multiple different offerings. So it's kind of where it differentiates itself. And that was certainly the message of my security presentation, which was network revenue is under threat. You know, you can't maintain it, uh, even if you're not offering a network, but you're offering, you know, these cloud-based services that revenue is under threat you have to start asking the question you know how do i secure that what sort of people are coming into this market because they're selling security and now they're thinking actually i could sell something else you know and where is that competition coming from from all these different angles and i think that's one of the things that i take away from a lot of these discussions is that the competitors you had last year aren't necessarily going to be the competitors you have in two years time because the word full stack is actually you know well, a full stack is multi-layered, but also the people who can sell it are coming into full stack from multiple different angles. And, you know, if you're saying full stack, well, so is that IT provider that you never heard of before, who's suddenly thinking, I can sell UC, it's not that hard, you know? Mm. And we know it's not that simple either, but, you know, IT providers have a lot of technical expertise. They have a lot of engineers and developers and things like that. And if they want to stop, you know, they're already selling security networking. If they decide, hey, I want to sell UC as well, that's a bit of a yeah. tough competition, you know? Yeah, and the other thing I just remembered, which is, I guess, business class 101, which was the importance of making profits. <laughs> so... I, making money is I mean, good like children <laughs> making money is not very every, good <laughs> yeah and not everybody in uc does make a profit oh no important <laughs> to highlight so yeah so there was quite a discussion with um the, on the investment panels and the m a panels about what's going on and that kind of this kind of change in focus now from revenue growth at all costs to you know being a being a profitable business. I mean, run this business for a while. I've understood the importance of profitability, um, but um, you know, you know, as we know, some of the um, uh, yeah, not necessarily for the wrong reasons. Um, some companies have been on a kind of buy growth and you know growth at all costs, and you know, recently we've seen the markets react react to that. There mm. seems, seems to be a general uh, reaction in the markets to the importance of balancing books, both both personally at a government level and, and apparently at a um, at a company level as well. So uh, there well, was quite a bit of a discussion about that. It is kind of a reaction to the, you know, the recession and things like that. You know, the second that the economy starts to become under threat, investors are less keen to, you know, keep funding a company that says, okay, you know, we haven't made any money yet, but we're still growing at 25%. You know, they're sort of like, well, why don't you grow at 20%, 15% and also make 10% you know, actual profit. And it's hard to argue against that, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because obviously we do a hell of a lot of diligence work and we're involved in a lot of the deals that are going on the market. And we have seen in the last six months a number of companies come to market for recap and not necessarily get the money they wanted because of that. So mm. I think the market, there is money in the market still, and that was discussed. There's still plenty of, there's still plenty of money and funds to be invested, but they're, People are just being a little bit more cautious around the investment criteria and potentially paying paying the price that they would previously. So I think that's that was one of the other um, things is there's plenty of investment in this space and plenty of interest. Um, but, um, yeah, some of the fundamentals need to be right. And also, you know, just the valuations have come down a bit. 
So, you know, uh, yeah. so there was there was quite a few happy people, I noticed, sitting in the front row who'd um, sold their business in the last year. <laughs> but uh, Good timing, but, uh, as we'd say. Yeah. Yes, it's, life is often about timing. And, uh, yeah, sometimes you're lucky with it and sometimes you're less lucky. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was certainly one of the big things I found interesting. So... I guess the thing Patrick has kind of given his highlight, but Matt, what were your what was your main highlight from the event? Well, it was just, I think, a sense of from the service provider I spoke to a sense a starting a starting a sense of reality. Finally, I don't mean that 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 there is this these changes going on, and they do need to react. Um, so I did feel in the room. Um, for you know that there was a real sort of flavor that you know things have to have to have to change and we do need to consider our our um our strategies more clearly um and you know so that was i think overall i sensed that that moment of change and and that reality of change um which was which was really interesting the other thing um i guess that i i felt because i'm more I'm more focused these days on some of the consulting and the uh, and the commercial and the uh, those sorts of sides was um, a re- kind of a reality around um, valuation M and A and and you know there is still lots of opportunity but you've just got to go back to basics you know business basics apply in this industry as well um, and uh, you know. One of the big discussions we also had on the product side is this, which we've been talking for a while about, which is this full stack, which is even if you don't go into the different areas of the stack, if you like, and when we're talking about the stack, you know, it's a case of do you go up into productivity? Do you come down into different elements of network and security? And how do you link those things together? Is, I think, a realization that, you know, you don't necessarily have to suddenly be selling um, productivity software or necessarily selling networking but you have to have an you have to um, put your business in the context of those 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 stack elements so you have to do integrations more you have to um you have to think about it one of the other interesting things that came out of my panel which i've been thinking about for a while is i'm wondering whether telecoms is the next big utility to go through a change we've seen you know or a lot of number of the others and the discussion about longer contracts and higher prices came up and we actually heard from the service providers that they were starting to see customers come to them for longer contracts trying to secure their pricing for a while which is kind of interesting we've been talking about that a bit so that would be my other my other kind of highlight was actually hearing service providers saying customers want are starting to ask for longer contracts and looking to secure price because they're worried about you know price inflation so they're just a couple of the couple of things what about what about you Fimba? yeah i mean it was quite it's quite an interesting sort of two days um i feel like i was very interested to talk about data uh in the on the second day there were lots of interesting discussions about how data can like optimize customer experience and customer journeys um, this is especially with the three um, people on my panel, all from call recording companies, um, who all like to think about data in specific ways, which is fine. Um, I think next year I might try and get someone 
who does data in a different way just to spice up you know a cat among, among the pigeons kind of thing uh but they were very much talking about you know the amount of automation and analytics that's going to come into call recording data just to improve employee you know well-being or you know all the different ways that companies can track it which i thought was quite interesting you know the idea that you know, I personally, being more European than, than most of them, when they say, oh, we're going to track all of our employees' phone calls, and then if one of them, if he sounds like he's having a bad day and his number of negative interactions are going up, we're going to flag it to HR. I'm like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> but that does actually sound like the sort of thing that, you know, some companies would actually find quite useful. And I think the bigger the company, the more need there is for that kind of, you know, automation, especially as people start working remotely. You know, so the idea that, you're not using it. And I think this is a big thing that came out of the discussion. It, it is about how you use that data. So if you're recording these people's calls and everyone knows it, um, but they know that if they're having a bad day and they're doing these calls, all that's going to happen is they get, you know, a meeting set up with HR to check in with them, right? And it's like, are you all right? Is everything okay? What can we do to help? You seem to be having a rough time based on your interaction with the customers. You know, do we need to get someone to take over from you for a day or two, do you need a day off? All those kind of stuff. If it's used positively to help workers realise when they're stressed and build a more positive, you know, work environment, great. If it's used to be like, well, you were shit with the customers yesterday, so, you know, we're docking your pay or don't do this or don't do that, then we start to see the problem, right? So, you know, Obviously, for good and evil is one of the messages that comes out of data discussions a lot. Um, but I think it's interesting, the potential, at least, to do a lot of, I would say, a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, and Yeah, I was going to mention straight after the event, I had a happy trip down to Cisco. I flew down to San Francisco for two days and spent two really interesting days there at the Analyst Summit. And maybe we'll do a separate podcast or follow up on some of the key themes there. But one of the things I found really interesting in their control panel, they now have this capability to give you per kind of personal insights, but you only only you get them. So your your um, mm. so your employer doesn't get them. It's locked to you. So you can see like whether you're late regularly to meetings, how much time you're spending on different things, how much time you're spending interacting with different people so really putting that power uh, similar to you but putting mm. that power in the individual's hands which i found really interesting i think that's kind of an interesting trend in this sort of personalization of things and i thought it was really 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 impressive um and we had they had a couple of customers who came on and talked about how they're using that but at an individual level, so not for your HR team necessarily, but for you just to sort of see how you're spending your day and interacting. So I think that's going to be a, a trend we're going to talk more and more about. I mean, that's a whole podcast just waiting in the wings because you have that first level where you get all the analytics. The second level where, like, your employee support teams get the analytics to make sure to help you out. And then the third level where it's performance uh, reviews, you know, your line manager gets the analytics they get to see exactly what you're up to on a day-to-day -day basis. Those are kind of the three levels, right? Um, and I think they all have their pros and cons. Um, and I guess it depends how sensitive your company is to employee rights and things like that, whether, whether you go the full way or whether you just... Because the idea of empowering an individual employee to be better is great. Um, though some people definitely do need help to get to, get to that next step. Yeah. I'd be I'd be just on that. I would be interested on the uptake of 
personal analytics from my point of view because the because obviously I don't have that in any other context apart from there is a particular mobile phone manufacturer that shall re remain nameless that provides details on my potential screen time during the week unless they want to and sponsor all... this podcast in which case they can remain as named as they want to um... absolutely <laughs> if, they'd, they'd love, if they'd want a sponsor we'd absolutely love that but if effectively all i've ever seen anyone do when they see their screen time report is moan about it yeah. i don't think i've ever seen anyone sort of drive any <laughs> actionable insights i'm sure what cisco are providing is, is much more valuable and much more sort of detailed than that but from a consumer perspective all i've seen is seeing my personal screen time and thinking i've been on my phone for far too much so that is um i'd be interested to see how that how that works actually on the on the cisco side does it actually stop you using your phone as much uh, no no okay okay good okay this is what i mean visibility doesn't always lead to action without outside no. help i guess is yeah anyway i'm not going to stand here and make the argument for your hr department getting access to your analytics that doesn't sound like the sort of thing i would argue for um so <laughs> i guess moving on slash wrapping up um we've kind of talked a lot about the event um, key companies were there. Obviously, we've done a lot of podcasts with various sponsors and interviews and things like that. Um, so I guess, who, who are the main sponsors that attended? You know, who do we yeah. want to say a thank you to? Yeah, these events are really driven by sponsors. So the way we can, the way why we can run them is because the spot, they're more sponsor, um, you know, led in terms of helping us fund and put them forward. So we had a really interesting group of gold sponsors here. So we had Microsoft. Some of you may have heard of the company. Uh, we had Polly, if you'll know, on the on the hand side, handset side. We had Dubba on the one of the call recording um, businesses that we you were talking about. We had a Kixi who were really interesting on the on the analytics um, side, and twenty six hundred Hertz who really interesting on the enabling service providers with soft switch platforms, etc. So we we had a really diverse panel of gold sponsors, and then we had you know another. 13 or 14 sponsors and I won't name them all because it will sound like a long list but you can go to our Cavell Group um, event page and you'll see the, the kind of full list of sponsors but um, a, a, you know a real variety of, uh, of sponsors representing different parts of the industry so a lot of the Microsoft enablement guys you know people um, from these more on the wholesale side so different different elements so yeah really big big thank you to them and also to the speakers. I mean, uh, we've got such a loyal, a loyal crowd of speakers and attendees who come to our events, which we really couldn't, we couldn't be do the the work we do without them. And you know, they, they step forward and, and and support us. And you know, none of them are paid to do so. You know, they, they do it out of the 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 um uh, the good of their hearts. So a big um a big thank you to them. And we, and we also had, as I say, amazing keynote um who spoke bill griffith who spoke during the day about his financial pieces but in the evening at our gala dinner spoke about his personal journey around dna which is fascinating where he found out that his father wasn't his father through doing a dna test and and the number of people have gone through that journey uh, fascinating very moving actually um i mean there was yeah i would must admit i was i'm pretty choked by his uh his description and every table at the end was sort of sharing stories about what they've been through so we're uh, fascinated so big thanks to, to to him as well for coming along he was great um one of the best speakers i've seen I mean, be able to do the combination of the the serious 
financial market discussion about and then his personal story. And he wrote a couple of books. So if you look, I can't remember the names of the books, but if you look at Bill Griffith, you'll find him and really, I mean, amazing. Yeah, the first one was called The Stranger in My Jeans, which is Ah, a pun on the fact that he wears jeans and obviously the fact that he did a DNA test. But yeah, he was definitely a very interesting speaker. And I think the dinner in the evening as well was, you know, I think before we've done dinners, we tried to get an industry-relevant keynote speaker. And then for the past year or two, we've just been trying to get someone who's interesting, you know, in terms of like, will spark a conversation that people can actually have a conversation after, you know, you know, because you've been networking, you've been working all day, and then you have this person who comes in with a breath of fresh air and kind of gives you something to talk to everyone who you're sitting down with. And I know at the London event we had Arctic Explorer, well, Arctic and Antarctic Explorer, uh, Randolph Fiennes, and now this time we've had a guy who, you know, is not only um, economics and, you know, business focused, but also talking about, you know, the new movement towards self-genetics and 23andMe and all those kind of companies that analyze your genetic profile for you. So I think it was quite interesting, yeah. All right. Um, I think we're getting up to the sort of time where you listeners are starting to turn off. So we're going to end it there. Uh, Thank you, as always, for joining our podcast and thank you for tuning in. Um, Now that we are back from Chicago, we will be back on our regular uh, podcast every two weeks schedule so you can come and listen to myself and patrick again in two weeks time um as well thank you for the great feedback we've still had through from some of our listeners you know you can always reach out on linkedin if you want to let us know how we're doing or suggest ideas for podcast discussions or if you want to come on the podcast you know just get in touch um or get in touch through our email you can always find us uh that way um as always thank you for listening and we will speak to you all soon and of course thank you matt and patrick as always Great. Thanks, Simba. Brilliant.